the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You've got your way, I've got mine. I think we'll all get to heaven eventually. Oh, how many times have we heard that line? God says, sorry, but there is just one me, one righteousness, and one faith. We'll explore that truth next. comes to the truth surrounding salvation, how we are restored to God, how we are made right with God. Well, the Apostle Paul is pretty clear in Romans, one God, one righteousness, one faith. There's not multiple ways to God. There's not multiple righteousnesses. It's just one way. And that is what we are looking at today in Romans 3, verses 21 through 31. Join us there, won't you, as we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, as we explore Romans together, here on Abounding Grace. This is the one true God to the Jews and the Gentiles, as Paul says in Galatians 3.30. He is the righteous God. Before him... We are all liable to judgment. We are unclean, and we are certain to perish forever. I can't dwell with the everlasting burnings, can you? Our God is a consuming fire, says the apostle in Hebrews 12, 29. Can you dwell with him? Will you be able to bring forth any excuse for your impiety? Will you be able to come up with an excuse for the lies you have spoken or some of the words that you have said? You talk too much. You talk about yourself. And you talk about nothing. So do I. All the private sins of the heart of the little indulgences we think, oh, no big deal, will be exposed in an instant to our terror-stricken hearts on that day of judgment. You know, the reason God brings forth this verse 29, that he is the God of everybody, I'm God of the Jews, I'm God of the Gentiles, is to remind us that our eternal happiness or misery depends upon us hearing this. The reason he brings this forward is that we must have a righteousness that will meet the demands of his scrutiny, that will satisfy every stroke of his justice against sinners. None who will lack it will escape, none. And we will never be persuaded to flee to Jesus and to abide in him because it's not enough to say, well, I went to him two years ago, but have you ever since? 
We belong to Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. This is the reason why we need to be reminded of God's holiness and our sinfulness. And that one day every one of us here will stand before the holy justice, the throne of God. What law, beloved, will you bring forward in that hour? Will it be the law of Americanism? I'm basically a good person. The power of pride. Will it be the works of Judaism, of Roman Catholicism, of the cults? I did all these things the leaders told me to do. Or will it be the law of faith? I had nothing. And I clung to the Lord Jesus Christ, his obedience, his blood, his cleansing, not mine. This is the reason the apostles, when they went around preaching, they never preached like men preach today. They didn't preach about three ways to make your life better. They didn't preach about five ways to be happier. They didn't preach about such nonsense. They preached on sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's just take a minute and look at three examples in the New Testament. First, Acts chapter 2, verses 33 through 38. This one is particularly important because it is the first sermon after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church in his fullness, starting in Acts 2.30, and this is in the middle of Peter's sermon. I'm not going to read the whole thing as much as I would like to. But speaking of King David, he says, If I can find it. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up. Whereof we all are witness. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. He has shed forth this which we now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens. But he, hath, he saith himself. The Lord said unto me. Lord sit thou at my right hand. Until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I can well imagine what a lot of modern preachers would say. Oh, don't worry. You don't have to take this all so seriously. Grace, 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 grace. Everything is sweet. What did Peter say? Then Peter said to them, repent, repent, turn from your wicked ways and turn to the God of mercy and grace and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift or the promise of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts 17. This again is a long sermon that Paul's preaching to the Athenians and the Aragopicus, which was an educational 
accrediting commission, you know, much like the bureaucrats today and those who grant licenses for the purpose of assuring we have mediocrity in our midst. Acts 17, verse 29, again, jumping in the middle of the sermon. Acts 17, chapter, verse 29. For as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not, ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. But that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. There's one more, Acts 24. This is more of a private sermon that Paul preached before the governor Felix, verse 24 of Acts 24. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. So you see, the apostles preached of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Why? Our souls must be awakened. We must face our peril. If we die without Christ, we must be made sensible to these realities. Any deliverance by man's goodness must be totally rejected. And we must face the reality of our sinful nature and God's judgment. Why? Because the hour of righteousness has dawned in Jesus God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And the Son of Righteousness has risen with the healing on His wings. And He offers Himself to us right now. I am your righteousness. Look to me. Cling to me. For today is the day of salvation. When we bow and confess, like Isaiah 45 says, that the Lord alone is our righteousness, there is peace. And it gives us a confidence. I know there are a lot of things going on in our nation that greatly trouble us. Well, remember one thing. Our righteous God reigns. And he said, I swear by myself that as I live, every knee in the United States of America will bow before me. Every tongue will confess, either as I send the nation and the many and many of the men in it to hell, or as I send my spirit down and revive dead men and bring them out of them tombs. I am the righteous one. Every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess, I am God and there is none other. Every single America is under Isaiah 45 and under Romans 39. 30, 29, and 30. There is one God, and He justifies in one way, and that is through the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to hear this. 
Because our consciences don't even tremble at the warning Scripture gives us. We blaspheme the name of God, even though God's name is written on public monuments and documents throughout this land. We seem to have learned nothing from the rubble and the mystery that history has, has shown us through the rebels that God is angry with the wicked every day. You might say, well, listen, Pastor Gary, I didn't come to church to hear about an angry God. I don't live in 1620. I live in 2021. God is friendly and he's nice and he just loves everybody. And he just wants everyone to feel warm and fuzzy all the time. Oh, listen, we are stupid and we change, but God never changes. And he is angry with the wicked every day. We see this in Psalm 711. And our delusions are broken once God's word comes to us with power. Put yourself in Romans 29, in in verse 29 of Romans 3. He's my God, Jew or Gentile. He's my God. I'm accountable to him. There is only one God. And if I am to have righteousness, it must come through his gift. Some of the most precious words, if not the most precious words ever uttered, are there in verse 30. Seeing it is one God which shall justify. God justifies. He declares sinners who have offended him. Who have offended him to be righteous. Think of this. I've sinned against him. I spit upon his majesty. I have denied his sovereignty. I've complained. I've been angry. I've been selfish. I've been covetous. I've been lustful. Name it. The rap sheet is as long as the minutes of my life. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom, finds a way to make his righteousness and my peace to meet and kiss in his son. And he lays all my filth and the curse that I deserve and that his law rightly demands of me. And he lays it upon his son, whether Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no other hope. We have to turn to this God for righteousness. And we must believe his promises. There's no other God. And there's no other way to be right with him. So if you have not yet turned to him, do so now. Oh, please don't delay. Flee to Jesus Christ and his merits. Look and and see your neck in the noose of divine judgment. Your neck on the executioner's block. Witnessing, witness your trembling before the holiness and the omniscience of God. And then you will cast down from the high citadel of pride that we try to hide from God. But when you see your sinfulness, then you are ready to look to his love. Look at what my merciful father has done for me in Christ. Look how God good he has been to me. I will praise him forever for all of his mercy and all of his gifts of righteousness. And I'm going to do what Isaiah 45 says right now. I'm not going to wait for the last day. 
I'm not going to wait for the moment when I am forced, whether I will or not, before being sent to hell forever to confess. I'm going to do it right now. Jesus, you are my only righteousness. I love you. I adore you for your sacrifice. But oh, don't look at my love. For it is pathetic. It is ice cold. I want to look at your love, Lord. I want to look at what you have done for me on the cross. What you endured to bring an everlasting righteousness to me. And secured for me a place in your everlasting kingdom. That is why boasting is excluded. So that we will know the love of God and we will know the love of our Savior. And that we will cling to his righteousness alone. For there is no other God. If your entertainment habits, if your friendships, if your devices are weakening you. So that you are losing track of who God is and what he is not. Put them away. Oh, we are such a distracted people. And God says, be still and know that I am God. Beloved, are you still? Do you have still times every day? I am so weak, I'm starting to realize that I've got to have still times multiple times throughout the day. I am so weak and so prone to wander in my thoughts. Are you still and recognizing there is only one God and I am under Him and I am accountable to Him and He has graciously given me righteousness through His Son? Now the conclusion Paul draws in verse 31 may be a bit surprising. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, forbid, yea, we establish the law. But it is not that at all. Because when we hear that, we must embrace the law of faith and not the law of works, people think. Well then, we can forget the law of the Old Testament, right? That is exactly how many people in the church today think. Well, I'm saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, let me just forget the Old Testament. I don't want to worry about obeying it anymore. But Paul says exactly the opposite is the case. In fact, the righteousness that he has given us in his son magnifies the law beyond all our ability to comprehend it. God has put all the threatenings of his law against sinners on the back of his son, And he has obeyed every detail of what he has promised. And now that we have the Lord Jesus and we look to him, what does the heart of the Christian say? Phew, party time. I no longer have to worry about obeying God. I could do whatever I want because after all, I know Jesus. So everything will be forgiven and I will be okay. Wrong. The law of God as a way of life for the redeemed is actually confirmed and established and elevated beyond all measure when we see God's free gift of righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the question of the believer's heart and the desire becomes, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love me? Keep my commandments. Do you love me? Keep my commandments. 
And our answer should be, sure, no problem. I'll be glad to keep your, amendment, your commandments. I want to. You've even written them on my heart. I know the law is not an external code any longer, nor does the law announce my death sentence, because you took my death sentence. You obeyed the law perfectly, and now, by your Holy Spirit, you have written that law on my heart, so it is my pleasure to obey you. Now, Paul will talk about this a little later in the letter at length, but this should suffice for now. But I will give you this warning before I close. Many within the church today adopt the very conclusion about the law that turns Paul's God forbid over on its head. Do we then make the void the law of God, the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we overturn the law. No, just the opposite. You might say, Pastor Gary, you brought us right back to obedience. Yes. For what is the joy of the creature made in God's image? What was Paul's joy in the garden when God came down and walked and talked with him in the cool of the day? Was Adam's joy saying, you know what? I really don't want to do what God says. I just want to do what I want to do. Was that his joy? No, that would have been his hell on earth. And that is the hell of modern life, isn't it? Disease, divorce, tyranny. These are the fruits of saying, my way. I want to live as I want to live. Debt, fear, STDs galore, abortion. This is the fruit of, I want to do it my way. And you see, the church is doubly guilty in this land. First of all, we knew better. And yet we turned our eyes away from the truth and we don't want to defend sound doctrine. And number two, we become bad leaven in this culture. Many worship services and many doctrinal systems only feed the fallen. Do your own thingism of your blind hearts. But God has saved us, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And we learn of them through God's holy word. Our God has been so merciful to us. You might say, Pastor, you've talked a lot about righteousness and being convicted, but I need something. I mean, I've got to live through this work. I need some principle to go by. Well, let me give you just one. You humble yourself before the majesty of God. That, beloved, is the most important principle that anyone will ever tell you. It is a lot better than having a fatter checkbook. It's a lot better than having your marriage be just like you think it should be. It is when you are humbled before the goodness and the love and the mercy of God. Why? Because when you are humbled and you're, when you're not boasting in anyone but Him, God doesn't know you are at an arm's length any longer. And He comes right up to you and He embraces you. And then everything is okay. It doesn't matter what else is going on. 
When God is near me and he is favorable to me and when he is walking with me. But how can I have that? Only if I have a broken and a contrite heart and I am not boasting in my own stupidity and I'm looking to his grace and to his mercy alone. Oh, my friends, that is it. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for your love toward us. We praise you for your righteousness. We praise you that you are God alone. It is difficult for us to hear these things today. This is not what we are accustomed to in our land to hear, but it is necessary if we are going to be the people you've called us to be, humbled by your overwhelming goodness and your love toward us. May we show you our gratitude and our love toward you by applying your law word to every area of our lives. For Christ's sake, amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.